you know, I kind of feel that everyone else should be, you know what I mean? One of those hunts that's just so cool that you sort of want to promote it to other, other Aussies. Um, so yeah, then that's what I said after this, you know, group hunt. I said, well, everyone knows now how, how to go about it. Like I said, it is a bit of a logistical nightmare and I really, and I do love all those hunts that sort of not many people do like that. Um, yeah, that, that sort of, you know, not much is known about them and that, so. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Hunting Camp Down Under. Today's episode is brought to you by Exo Mountain Gear. I've been using the Exo Packs for several years now and was super impressed with not only the pack, but the support from the team at Exo Mountain Gear. The Exo range of packs are now very well known for their comfort, durability, simplicity, and excellent load hauling capabilities. The packs come in three different sizes, so whether it's a day hunt or a 10-day backpack hunt, there's a pack that will suit you. If you're in the market for a new pack, make sure an Exo pack is on your hit list. Check out the range of packs at exomountaingear.com. Hi everyone, uh, welcome back to another episode of Honey Camp Down Under. Uh, sorry we're a little bit delayed on this one, but uh, we've been venturing around the world. Uh, just recently returned from Alaska. For those that follow the Instagram, um, you'll see that we are pretty awesome trip with uh, a few of the boys, Joe Redmond and Brad Smith, to um, southeast Alaska, chasing the uh, the mountain goats in the, the hills of uh, and glaciers of, of Alaska. And uh, it was a pretty pretty awesome trip. It uh, it probably didn't finish quite how I uh, had planned or, or dreamt that it did. There was a little bit of disappointment there, but I shouldn't let that take away from the... Uh, from the trip that we had it was um amazing country you know everything that uh everyone talks it up to be and some it uh you know it's purely it's purely a, a place that you know is, is more or less untouched when you once you hit uh dry land and you know we had a boat trip down a couple of hours sort of you know east of seward and uh, we dropped in a little private private cave and or cove i should say and you know we hiked up from there and you know spent camp for for five days and you know the sights and sounds of Alaska are, are simply amazing. So uh, it wasn't meant to be for me. You know we, uh, you know there's a bit of a story there. I won't go into it too much. We'll we'll, we'll do another episode on that, and uh, you know hopefully a film will come out that in the in the in the, in the distant future. But you know there was uh, the Alaska's got some rules that you know we need to stick by, and unfortunately I made a mistake that I've got to be honest. You know no one plans for, and and certainly you know don't think about it, and. Uh, yeah, something happened, and I misread it. You know, purely the angle of the animal, and um, you know he he's running around for another day. So, but uh, once once blood drawn, uh, that's your heart done, and your hunt done. And I've got to be honest, it's it's probably the hard, it would be the hardest thing I've ever have happened to me uh, in bow hunting and hunting in general, and and in some ways in life. So you know, to sit on that mountain and be told that uh, your hunt's over and it's out of your control, you know, it's something that um, I've got to say, it took me a couple of hours, and you know, get myself back together, and and uh, and still probably not coping with it too well. But we're back home now. We we got some early flights home, and uh, the hunt was done. So, but you know, as I said, not letting that take away from the adventure. We had an absolute blast. We we built some friendships that will certainly last forever. And and once again, you know, the bonds between me and the boys that you know we put ourselves through things that um, you know that we want to and we don't want to, but it it just. As I said, it creates lifelong friendships, and uh, yeah, and honestly, I can't wait to do it again. And we're already planning for next year already, so uh, some more big things to come. But but anyway, that probably you know leads into a little bit of of our, of our guest today. You know, Case McCallum. 
better known as Maka. Uh, he's probably the next step. He he doesn't make mistakes very often, and he gets things done. And for anyone that know doesn't know Maka, uh, he's he's pretty much been hunting all his life. He does it for work. Uh, he controls the uh, you know the kangaroo population and and uh, hunts every other bit of time that he's got. So he's uh, very very well spoken. Um, as much as I had to talk him around to get this one done, um, I'm so glad he did. I'm so glad he, he's jumped out of his comfort zone and, and shares some of his stories and knowledge. He uh, he's purely incredible that um, you know what he's done in, in in for such a more or less a young age. Um, it's a credit to him, and he's uh, he's still got plenty of big things to come. So, but um, I hope everyone really gets something out of Maka. You know, listen closely. He's got some great great tips there, and, and especially. Uh, along the lines of hunting internationally, especially in New Zealand, we talk about that quite quite in depth, and um, I really enjoyed this chat. So, and uh, I'm pretty sure you guys will too. Uh, before we go, obviously, don't forget um, Coyuga Broadheads. You know, jump on there, HCDU10. Um, get your 10% discount on any order through the Coyuga Boys. Um, they're all up north at the moment, um, chasing chasing hogs around the Cape York and fishing and whatnot. So, um, but there's someone handling their orders, so uh, make sure you jump on that. And, uh, and get some Coyugas in and uh, get them all ready for next season. Apologise, there's no uh, formal intro for Macker on this one. He, uh, we jumped straight into conversation. I didn't want you to miss any uh, any of the uh, storytelling. So anyway, let's jump straight to it. Uh, Casey McCallum, Macker. So where did you... Um, so you were up um, chasing the Lockins, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. That was like yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we went up, um, up Cape York there chasing them. So that yep, was cool. Yep. That's awesome. There's... Um, yeah, been heaps of hunters on the block, so they were absolutely wired, like you know, as hard as like just like worse than chittle, I reckon. Um, oh shit! Trying to get in on them because they're all in that real thick, like um, like real dry sort of Cape York country, all that yeah, China bear right. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it's all like everything's all uprights, but like chest high grass, so they can see forty meters through it, but you can't shoot forty meters through it, and mm. you sort of yeah, it was just real tough going. Like everything we got was sort of on the lake and. Like everything we shot pretty much was nearly sitting back in camp having a beer and then you see one come out and feed on the edge of the lake. Like they're um the Moluccans are a little bit um a little bit lot more like chittle. Like they they mm. don't all come and rut at the one time. They sort of spread okay. it out over about so, six months. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, like there there's some soft velvet ones. There's a few that would just cast. Like you can you can get one with hard antler like any time of the year. Yeah, right. Um and yeah, like so most of the ones we shot were like just stripped out sort of velvet. They hadn't started rutting yet, they're off on their own, just feeding on the lake yeah. edge and that and yeah. snuck in. All the all the rut ones were like had about a hundred does around them and yeah, just no chance at all. So mm. it sort of it made it good. I don't think I'll be going in there in the rut again, eh? I think I might uh either, yeah, I might just try a bit earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Before, know, um... before all the hunters. I know Smithy sort of said the same thing, like chasing the, the ones on his block there. Um, he sort of like, like the rut's good, but he said he sort of likes them either end as well, because especially the big fellas. Yeah. Either getting them just in a little bachelor mob or, um, you know, getting out on their own sort of thing as well, so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I've, I've definitely noticed that. Like, I mean, it was cool to hear the roaring and mm. chase around some roars and that, but at the end of the day, like, it didn't really benefit us at all in the hunting, like, okay. um, like them have, having them roar, um, yeah. not like the fallow and the reds and stuff like that, where it's almost inevitable to have them doing it. But like, you, yeah. you know, you, um, yeah, it's just amazing that uh, it'd be just a lot easier without the pressure. Like they, they will come back around the house apparently, like a couple thousand of them when there's oh, there's shit. no pressure there. Whereas they'd, they'd been a hunter on that place every day for for six weeks before we were there, 
and um, they they throw a bit of grain and stuff out, like in one of the sheds there to keep them around, feed them, and like the grain would hadn't been eaten for two weeks. Apparently, it was just still sitting there, like not even <laughs> at night. They weren't even coming in, so yeah, right. Everybody, yeah, they were super switched on. Like I reckon we only seen sort of 40, 50 a day when I went up and like got access on the place the year before. We were seeing like six hundred a day, oh, like sure. cra- crazy numbers sort of yeah. thing. And um, yeah. they're all spread out in the bush, but you smash around out in the bush, and yeah, like none of us come close out there, so. They're, um, it's good though. It makes it hard. Like it, 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 you know, we all got one in the end, and we didn't think like we didn't seem like we got it. But we all got one in the end, and mm. yeah, we all you know appreciated a lot more because it was like that too. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, must be hard. Like you go one year, see six hundred odd, and then yeah, go to. I suppose what like your expectation going up there probably it probably flipped oh, on yeah. its head real quick. <laughs> yeah, that was the worst thing. Like I'm like yeah, like like Remy's like keen to get a bloody get a, a rooster. I'm yeah, come over, mate. There's like couple thousand on this block and you know you see 600 a day and all this thing and mm. he walked halfway around the lake and didn't see a deer the first morning i was like oh no you know yeah, it's like yeah. guys flying all the way over from america to have a hunt here and he, it looks like it's going to be an absolute flop but then mm. luckily he yeah like a, a real rutted out stag come down out of wallow and he shot that the first day and i was like oh so of relief then yeah yeah most <laughs> was, pressure off <laughs> yeah exactly and then you know we could all sort of enjoy the trip after that regardless yeah. what happened i've yeah. seen and then we did see a fair few stags in the end i would have seen 30 40 or something maybe um yeah. by the end of it so yeah it was it was good yeah, it was a really good hunt like just just great people good good stories like yeah he's just he's just like oh done, like he, done he's, so much. yeah oh yeah it's, there's just that many cool stories um that it, yeah he's got to share and that and yeah it's a real he's a he's a, he's a real dude you know he's not yeah. a real fake sort of dude that's like half of the big names are out there just yeah. everything's a you know it's all fabricated off their stories and everything put together just for a show whereas mm. his is how it happens That's and he legit. just loves to hunt you know and That's just legit. recounts what happens yeah and you can so, tell that like when you watch it too like you i remember watching um oh he's chasing mule deer well, with the bow but he's chasing mule deer on that low country and like yep. it ended up, ends up like that he doesn't shoot anything but like he just has all these close things passes one early on and doesn't shoot it because it's there literally just standing at him i can't remember what it's called it's one of his episodes anyway, and I thought, yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. You had to create a show out of that. Still not harvesting anything, but like yeah, it was exactly. like edgy yep. seat shit. Like, I'm like, oh, he's going to get it. Like, and then he, yep. yeah, eventually just, yeah, bums out after a week sort of thing. So, yeah, exactly. And, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, well, I didn't, didn't get it. And I screwed up that stalk. I really screwed that up. It was like a rookie mistake instead of like, oh, I'm 100% success. I never fail. You know, I never yeah. miss. <laughs> you know, it's all the bullshit stuff. And then, then all, everyone else, the rest of us, like, oh, shit, I got shoot a couple accidentally. <laughs> I'm not going to put that on social media, but, you know, yeah. shit, I must be very good. It happens. It happens more. Yeah, exactly. It happens more than that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, it's cool. To, it, it was cool because, yeah, it was one of those things, like, I always looked up to Remy a lot, and I was like, yeah. this is why I got two ways. I'm either going to fucking ruin it if he is a flog or... <laughs> or it'll you know it's meant and he'll be a good dude but yeah, yeah no he was a he was a champion so that was awesome we had heaps of fun on that and That's awesome. he's yeah uh, he's gonna help me out over there a fair bit by the sound of it with um just like over counter stuff and good yeah. spots and just That's it, you man. know trying to trying to do it the hard way and yeah um yeah young enough hopefully i can get a fair bit of um you know, he, he really reckons that he's got enough spots that i wouldn't even need to draw too much no, to have it's a really right. good hunt every year so if you've got the intel if you've if you got yep. the intel, you you can really, I think you can really shorten it up. It's just that's that the issue that we got is probably we don't get over there enough without yeah. the intel to, to make the most of these spots. If that makes sense. 
Yeah, exactly. Yep. Whereas he's yeah, he's done it all and knows it all. It's just like you know, don't tell me one about me spots, but you can go there. You know, like yeah, yeah. and I um, get this tag from here and there, and use my truck and do this, and oh. you know, you've got I'll get you know I'll get your permission on the station so you can access the public behind that, and you'll be straight into the elk. You know, like just stuff like that. That's unreal. It's um yeah, pretty cool. So like oh, <laughs> it's worth worth having him over for a few of our hunts to to do some of that. So oh, most definitely, mate, and and. Uh... He's such a good dude to go with, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. Well, mate, yep. we uh, we probably should kick this thing off properly. Yep, and, no uh, worries. <laughs> probably we kind of, <laughs> kind of skipped your intro and we jumped straight into it, so. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all good. That's all good. Well, mate, um, we'll start off probably by uh, giving yourself an intro and how sort of, you know, the background of yourself, mate, and I mean... Yep. To be honest with you, not a lot of us probably know about it, so... We'll, yeah, um, I'll keep it all nice and secret. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I'm going to try and, try and drag as much as I can, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm... Um, yeah, well, I'm down here in um, South Australia in the Flinders, so I guess that's probably why there's not not a great deal of other, um, like, bow hunters down around this area, and, like, probably not a lot of game either. A lot of my hunts I have to travel a fair way for. Mm. Um so yeah, I'm off the farm. So I've um, yeah grown up on the farm down here, which has been cool. Um, sort of yeah, really um, starts off a bit of good appreciation for the land and that sort of yeah, thing and being bush. Yep. Um, but yeah, sort of um, got into. I love shooting always since I was about. I had the slug gun and then upgraded to the 22 and um, then I remember I was about yeah 12 or 13 watching looking at all the sporting shooter magazines and seeing the. Oh, everyone with um like goats and stuff, and we got yeah we got millions of goats all through the Flinders Ranges here, and so I was always yeah getting dad to find me properties, ask my uncles and <laughs> anyone we knew, and um yeah, yeah I went and I think I only did one one trip there, and we shot a heap of goats, so pretty easy with the guns, and then yeah um yeah then saw the bow, and I, one of my um second uncles actually had a bow, and he yeah went down to his place and shot it once, and. And was ordering all this, these crappy bows off eBay and, yeah, getting straight into it then. Started getting stuck into the goats, I think, at about 13. And, yeah, I was going to say how Yeah, 13, I think, um, was when I shot my first goat and that, yeah, got stuck into it. And I pretty much haven't stopped since. It's just naturally progressed and got more and more of an addiction ever since. So how old were we? I mean, I remember us talking shit going back years ago on the forum now. Yeah. Um, back in the good old days, like how old how how old were you when you jumped on that? I reckon I was about fourteen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I reckon um like my uncle actually put me onto that. That was like literally the only only outlet besides yeah, the magazines back then. Yeah. It was um cool. I remember spending hours and hours on the on the computer on that. Yeah. That was unreal. So, I mean, I still remember on that. I remember seeing a photo of yours. I think it must have been. Obviously, you know, for anyone that knows, obviously, um, Mac is a pro rear shooter. So you obviously must have done a harvest or something and then done a bit of a yep. dump with the with the, the gut pile. And oh, I remember yeah, a photo yeah. with the foxes. I don't know how yeah, many foxes were in that photo, but I still remember yeah. that to this day. And that must have been years ago. Yeah. Now, that was a, that was a few years later. I think that was, um, I would have been about uh, 20 probably or, um, yeah, 20 I reckon then. Yeah. Yep. I was working, that was working up in um, like central SA on up in the like the big station country, a couple million acres up a piece up in those, yep. those areas. And, um, yeah, I was working, like had a couple of chillers there. So every night on the way back, I'd, you know, I'd shoot all the ones on the station tracks I'd see on the way home. And then 
and then gut them all out in the one spot on yep. this clay pan. Okay. Um, that was sort of, yeah, about half K from my house or, or the, the quarters I was staying. And I did that every night for a few months and it started with, you know, a handful of foxes and then every night a handful of more foxes would show up. And yeah, after about, that was about after about two or three months, I reckon there was, there was well over a hundred oh. going there every night. It was, it was crazy. And that was, that was that dumb. Like I had them, I was kicking them out of the way of the um, chiller. Like they will try and climb up the steps and that. They got that tame <laughs> when I was loading the ruse in. Well, if, uh, we're going to have to try and dig that up. Is it on your Instagram? Uh, yeah, it, I got a, I got one photo, I think, of it on my Instagram. Yeah. I've got a heap of other photos. When I put that photo up, it just went absolutely viral. Right, mate. We're going to have to repost it. That, was, that all, was insane. There was, there was all sorts of all sorts of stories. It was up in Western Australia. It was in Queensland. <laughs> and it was, I was like, oh, well. <laughs> Good stuff. Get them talking. Okay. Yeah, I was like, that's what you do if you don't put your photo stamp on it sort of thing. But <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've got I've got a heap of videos and photos and out of that that I haven't actually shared. But you're right, I should put it up a bit. It's pretty Yeah, you have to get it on, mate. That, oh, no, that's just something that, you know, a lot of people probably don't really see. So, well, I mean, I, I, you know, as much time as I spent in the bush, I definitely haven't seen that kind of numbers. That was insane. Yeah, yeah, well, landed up. Look, the, it actually got back to the um, the station manager like without me even telling him he, he oh, got shit. back to him it went that, that viral and he doesn't have facebook or even internet i don't think and someone <laughs> told told him that he'd seen it and he rang me up and says hey, you got a big mob of foxes out there I said, yeah so yeah he ended up bloody getting a big bucket of baits and killing them all but yeah. i ended up yeah so i was just i was just like i kept doing it and it, yeah he ended up you know nearly the same thing every about every once a month you'd have to come up and bait him because i'd yeah. have that manic there but that was after some like incredibly good seasons up there yeah, and yeah, everything gotcha. just everything went mad like the hopping rats the mice the you know the birds the quails it was just it was just full of life the whole desert up there and then yeah a polar opposite to now pretty much but um mm. yeah it's just the way things go up there eh? most definitely i mean um like jumping back you know you obviously you, you picked up the bow about 13 uh, probably a lot of that progression um, you know, with your property access and all that kind of stuff, obviously from family members, but a lot of that's got to do with your with your job, which is pro roo shooting. What what age were you when you sort of picked that up? Um, the pro roo shooting, I, I started um, in my school holidays when I was sixteen. Um, I went up to oh, sort of White Cliffs and out in Western New South Wales. Yep. Um, so I was doing a, a, like summer holidays out there, working with a with a shooter that was a mate and. I mean, I was taking the bar up there too and shooting a few, well, trying to shoot a few pigs and I got a few real nice billies and that up there while I was doing it. But yeah, that's sort of where I learnt when I was 16. And then, um, yeah, like dropped out after I finished year 11 and didn't worry about going back for year 12 because the, the rube price back then was like booming. So yeah. it was, you know, you could easy drop out and make <laughs> 200 grand a year if you worked hard out of rube shooting back then. So yeah. I was sort of like, yeah, bugger this, I'll get straight into that. And because um, I've, because I'm on the farm, I have like a, a lot, like a, uh, I could get my gun license before I was 18. So gotcha. while I was 17, I got stuck into that. Um, and yeah, as long as I was on the property and the old man was like either with me or around, then I was, I was able to shoot on my own. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I started pretty much flat out roost shooting from 17 until, till now. Um, and I was a bit of farming in that in between for the old, old man, help him out in that. But, um, yeah, it's just been, pretty much been my breadwinner the, the whole time has been, yeah, just the, the kangaroos and the, the meat industry. Yep. I mean, that's got to, you know, spending that much time on these blocks and, and let's just put it, you know, spending that much time on the bush, the bush um, that's obviously got to have had, you know, a, a significant uh, or helping hand on, on your bow hunting career as well. Um, oh, it, you know, take yeah, it, it certainly has. Yeah, I mean, what's the major points that you sort of think that, 
that you picked up so early that you probably take for granted? Um, just, yeah, like just networking with farmers really like, um, like, yeah, same, like when I was working on my school holidays up there with the pigs and that up in Western New South, the guy I was shooting with, he had 30, 30 different stations that he worked on and that I was working on with him. And, you know, I got to meet all the owners of all of them and, you know, some of them are real standoff. You should never let you on. And then some of them are really good, but you know, you get to know, you know, say half of them. So you get to know 15 with access and they know all the rest of the property owners up there as well. So, oh, you you want pigs? They've got heaps over on this joint. Like I'll give them a ring for you. Like it's, um, yeah, it's just, you know, just doing the right thing really like building that reputation um to when it comes to property access and and yep. yeah i've been lucky like that you know you, you do the right thing and and i'm always working on their land and which and, and being a roo shooter it gives me opportunity to do the right thing and and be involved with them so it yeah it, it's amazing like some people down here have got properties all over like north queensland that they've got a brother mm. managing stations and you know it's just a flowing effect really if you yeah. as long as you you put it out there a bit um as well like you say yeah you're not going to make it moan that you make it known that you're a yeah mad keen and addicted to hunting <laughs> <laughs> i think it uh, i mean from my experience i've got a few blocks out western new south wales and that as well and um i'm first to admit that there are different crew out there like in, in a very very positive way i mean they're very as you said some of the standoffish but only only because it might have been burns or something like that or you know they don't get to see a lot of people so sometimes it's just shyness but i've noticed you know when you go out there and you show give them that little bit of time bit of a helping hand they really are open arms. Like they love company. Like they don't, as I said, they don't get to see a lot of people. Um, yeah, they, they do. They love, they love a beer and they love like, you know, just the conversation and a bit mm. of, you know, a, a bit of, you know, good conversation and, you know, yak around, talk about how things are. And, you know, even just, especially coming off the farm, you know, they're always very interested in how, you know, the farming practices we got down here with the yep. cropping and that sort of thing. And um, yeah, just having that something in common with them. Like I'd, yeah, if I, you know, if I was from the city and um, did something completely irrelevant to um, farming, I don't know what I'd have to talk to the farmers about a bit. Like, I yeah. think, it's a, yeah, we're really pretty advantaged there with that background um, for our hunting, for sure. I think, you know, and it's, it's a bit tough for the guys that, you know, probably don't have the background of yourself and, and me partly with, with, you know, obviously a lot of rural background um, because I, I guess they only know that you're there for a hunt. So I guess, you know, for anyone that's trying to gain access, you probably just have to have, you know, an interest in them. You know, you're not there just like obviously you're going out for a hunt, but you really got to show interest in, in what they do, their family and things like that and, and and try and become a part of, you know, a helping hand, I suppose you could say. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like you it almost, you know, you almost need to show them um, a positive, you know, something they got to gain from having you there sort of exactly. thing. And it, it's, um, yeah, a lot of times it's, yeah, if you don't have anything else to offer, like that's with me, like as soon as anyone, any property know that I'm a pro shooter, they've always got problems, something they want. Like a lot of times it's mainly the kangaroos, you know, all the kangaroos eating us out and they want to get a permit and then, you know, end up just, you know, shooting a couple permits out for them and uh, of destruction permits or something. And, you know, then that, that, yeah, there's so many properties I've had that happen to sort of thing. And, doesn't matter where you go when you tell them that's what you do. Oh, you know, we've got heaps here. We can get a destruction <laughs> permit. You can clean them up if you want. Yeah. Well, it's not something I like doing, but if, um, you know, if it helps them out, I'll do it. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you know, we're not even talking bow hunting here, but I'm fascinated in, in the industry that you've been in. And, and it's just such a coincidence that we're doing this podcast tonight because I got an email today from the Department of Primary Industries in New South Wales. 
and it's effective from I'm going to read it to you. Effective from today, yep. the New South Wales government has made changes to the landholder licences to harm kangaroos to reduce populations as part of a package of drought relief measures. Experienced shooter to the current firearm licence as suitable firearms are invited to list their details on the on the etc. Um, page. Shooter details yep. on the register are available to licensed landholders seeking assistance from professional volunteer shooters. So things are certainly changing in the in the in the eye of I guess management of kangaroos. How have you seen it over the years? I mean it's always been a chat I remember talking to you ages ago about it saying, you know, just sheer numbers, people don't get a have no idea. Um, is South Australia and New South Wales are they all very different or all come under the same banner? Um, like it, yeah, they're all very, very similar. Like the, the areas where I am, like so, I'm, I'm sort of in the crop country here, but you only have to go sort of 20 minutes to half an hour, and you're pretty much in that exact same station country that runs from here all the way through to New South Wales, like Cobar and Broken Hill, and that it's all the same, and the roos move right through it. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much the same. Like there's, I've just seen the roo numbers, and everyone else here too. Like you know, you, you could talk to any single farmer in this whole area, and and further afield and they just say the numbers just have just steadily steadily just climbed and climbed and climbed and you know you don't notice it quite as bad until now when it's in drought and they all they'll congregate together because mm-hmm. um, yeah it's 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 you know it, we really haven't um like we're like some of the all my station country i shoot here now the roos are dead like i'm i'm literally shooting crop country now because they've they're, they're yep. you know there's none left up there they've either moved to good country or they've, they've perished or they're, they're mm. still up there and they're very skinny about to perish. But it's, yeah, we really didn't have that meant like, you know, have that bad a years for it to get the way it has, but it's just yeah. been a sheer, the just sheer number of animals. Snuck yep. up. It's really yeah, snuck it up did. this last yep. one. Yep. yep. And like, you know, people just had, you know, thousands, like, you know, they might have 2,000, 3,000 sheep on a property, but mm. they'll have, you know, 20,000 kangaroos rock up there for, a couple of months until all their feed's gone completely and leave nothing but little root turds everywhere on the ground. And then they're gone again. And, um, it's just, yeah, been a flow on effect. And, and now you, you know, I was shooting an hour and a half from home and I was shooting, you know, an hour from home. And, and then, you know, six months later now I'm, I'm, there's mobs of 200 reds in people's, you know, like cereal crops down here where we are, where you've always got a few reds here, but it's just, yeah, the red roots down here now are just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. To give a, uh, you know, to give, people a little bit of perspective of within South Australia where you actually sit um, use a couple of major centers where where do you actually sit uh, within the state oh, about um, 300 kilometers north of Adelaide okay be sort of on the eastern side of the ranges from Port Perry and Port Augusta yep sort of the um, I guess it's the southern Flinders ranges here gotcha yeah yeah perfect I mean how long does it take you to get sort of western New South Wales um, oh like I can get to Broken Hill and bit over three hours oh really okay um yep yeah yeah i'm sort of level with broken hill oh, a bit, bit further south but um yeah so i can get over to uh Wilcannia in that sort of area nice. um by by like four and a half something like that four yep. hours yep so all that paru country and all anywhere up through there white cliffs it's all yeah it's probably closer to me than it would be for half of those boys over there that come this way yeah well, they definitely. call it out west and even i call it out west for some reason <laughs> bloody yeah it's east for you of those things <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose, yeah, depending on, uh, I suppose it depends on who you talk to, but but see that, yep. that there, to, for me to get to Whitecliffs would be probably 10 hours from yeah, the coast, right. so yep. I'm, I'm right on the coast, so um, yep. yeah, yeah, yep. it'd be, oh, it's more or less a dead straight line out there, but um, yep. by the time you get out there, so that's how far, sort of, it's just a long way out, I guess, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it'd probably be five or something for me for White Cliffs. So yeah, it's it's um yeah, we're certainly like that was that's always been a, a pretty good hunt for me. Like back when times were better, mm. um, I spent a lot of time going over there. Oh, I've spent like ten years pretty much hunting goats and and then pigs up in that country flat out. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't think like since these drought the last three years, I haven't really been out there. It's been a bit sad, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember once again, you know, I remember seeing your story when you were chasing hogs, and you know, you're walking around in water. You know, it's just so yeah. hard to imagine. You know, going from that a few years later to you know, to where we are now, um, and how much it affects like numbers of animals in general, like not not even just pigs and goats, but um, you know, just just sheer numbers of wildlife it's just amazing how it changes all all revolving around that water oh exactly yeah like you know they're getting you know 10 inches in in one hit and lakes are filling up that lasted for 10 years and things like that back Mm. back when it was good and it was just it was incredible the like the pigs and like it's just you know like i was going up the gulf and up the cape and that and the pig hunting was honestly better in like majority of that western new south wales country for a while there maybe Maybe not like the scoring hooks and that, but to shoot, you know, good solid boars, um, you you know, it's just crazy. Um, and yeah, you sort of you sort of at the, at the time you just think it's going to be like that forever. And yeah, now you sort of I just watch the <laughs> watch the weather all the time and just you know if you you see the rivers all coming down out there and you like you know one day when you see that perfect storm happen again out there, it'll be sharpening arrows and <laughs> getting gear and ringing all the. Ringing all the property owners and hoping like hell that they all they all still manage the same blocks and yeah I'm on my way <laughs> yeah exactly you know a year's time there's going to be a lot of a lot of those good boars around again I reckon so yeah, yeah. it's just yeah waiting for that break in the weather do you find uh, I mean you obviously you hunting out there ten years and, and obviously just in your experience in general do you find um, you know I guess the big old animals in general you know deer pigs goats they just seem to find a way to survive as long as they're not like at the end of their sort of lifespan, I suppose you could say. But those, you know, those mature animals, they just seem to, you know, I don't know where they go or what they do, but they seem to survive. Yeah, I guess like the old, the, the older animals have got that knowledge or they've either got lucky or they've, they've got that knowledge and they've seen it before, I guess. So mm. like, you know, some of those big goats and that, um, like yeah, I've spent a lot of time on, like Charlie said, chasing goats and um, with contract muster and guys I've helped out and do all that sort of stuff. And they tell you all these stories about these big billies with triple curls and stuff. And, you know, trying to get them that, you know, get them out of the same water course every, every year. And they'll be mm. telling the guys on the ground on the UHF to get, make sure that big black one's in there and, and push him through this last bit of dog water or something. And he just, he won't come out the other side and I won't <laughs> see him again. He'll, he'll be, he'll be under a bush in there, just buried in there and waiting for it all to go quiet and then slip out the back. And, yep. you know, they'll never get him. And, you know, another big one he's telling me about that, they got a five foot high forcing yard and he couldn't get him in there. So they ended up jumping on him and dragged him in there. Um, and yeah, he just jumped that and cleared it. Oh, cleared that, took the, off. Yeah. He said he's never, ever had a goat go over it. And this thing, he said, jump the, the big, jump the five foot fence, the weld mesh, and then straight over the other two goat panels, which were like a meter, meter 20 or a meter 30 or something. Yep. Just jumped two or three of them. Last thing was running across the paddock. But um, yeah, I think he, he actually ran tape across that when he was dragging it in. I think that was 46 inches and, just like like a body size of a donkey, you reckon? Um, and yeah, I spent I spent yeah weeks and weeks up there looking for that thing on this property that was half a million acres. But yeah, I never never ever found him. <laughs> Do you reckon he would have died of old age? Oh, they, that's what they said. They just said it was unmasterable. Um, yeah. That one and a few of the others. So that that you know the mastery guys got used to the station. That no, 
they'd, they'd tell you about all these ones that'd be on each water. And I was always going, like, that's the intel I was getting when I'd go hunting. Mm. So you'd sort of had this bit of history on a goat without even seeing it sort of thing, which is pretty cool. I guess when, he, you know, going back to, like, especially chasing goats, did you always have, like, a Pacific, I guess, a bit of a plan? Like, I, I remember reading a lot of your stories, um, you know, you, you had a particular goat that you were chasing out of a mob or something. Was that always the case or did that sort of progress, you know, as you went through the years, you sort of progressed into that? Yeah, I think it definitely progressed. So, like, I... You there, mate? Hello? Hello. There's a lot of goats here, but hey, mate. So yeah, I was sort of. Hey, mate. Start that again. Hey, mate. Losing it. Did you move? Uh, yeah. No, I've just got some. <laughs> I've got a mate trying to ring me. I was thinking <laughs> tying up with their stuff. No, you won't. Yeah. No, go. Just start that again. Oh, good. I think we. Yep. Um. Yeah. Where was I? <laughs> start the progression. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Like when I first started, it was just about the hunt and. To be honest, when I was a young lad, just just killing as many goats as I could, <laughs> just like yeah. a bloodthirsty idiot. But um, but yeah, it was just out there having a hunt, enjoying myself, sort of thing. And then mm. I started chasing trophies a bit more. And um, but yeah, it was only really when I sort of started pushing out into that um, station country where the genetics were a bit better that you'd sort of I'd still go hunting. But then after a while, I'd sort of I'd ring all my stations and see what they'd seen. And yeah, it was I'd really not even go after a while until I had to like intel or. You know, he'd, you know, it was, or it was really hot. You'd mainly just watch the weather. If, yeah. if you had, um, you know, if you had those forty-five degree weeks where it was only getting down to thirty something, and and it wasn't a full moon, <laughs> I had to figure that out the hard way. Everything drinks at night time. <laughs> um, you'd sort of, yeah, you drop everything and go up there for a few days then, because you you just look over every every goat, yeah. you know, they were on that on that dam within a day or two. So you'd really concentrate your efforts. Um, but yeah, it was it was really. And I kind of like having a bit of history with an animal that I chased and that too. So when you, when I did get a um, bit of intel on something, it was, yeah, it was pretty cool to, if you actually, like a couple of them I did track down and shoot, they were, they were 39 and like six eights or something, both of them. But that was, oh. yeah, it was pretty cool to be like, able to come back and say, yeah, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> That's unreal. I mean, so going back, I mean, we haven't even got into half of what you've got up to, but where did the... Where did you really start progressing? So if you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? Um, 29 now. 29 now. So yep. obviously we've been doing it for you know a lot of years now. Um, when did that sort of progression really start to get expanded from the, from the goats and, and hunt out west? And, and obviously you set up a massive platform by doing that. But when did you start progressing into the deer? Was that something you always did or? Right, we're we good to go again now yeah no we're good mate we're good so kate sorry guys we just uh, uh we dropped out casey's got work coming in so <laughs> yeah everyone's got bloody roos eating them out of the house, yeah, and home, house so. and home mate i was what i was yeah. saying i was um you know i was just asking where where the progression came you know moving into the deer and as i said we we haven't sort of even jumped into half of what you've you know managed to accomplish yeah yeah um yeah well i i yeah like i I always like I was always smashed the magazines and and the forum as you know I was like an absolute pest on there probably but um it was yeah like it was just I, I just was mad keen I wanted to I wanted to chase everything like I literally wanted to experience and chase everything but I I had I had some deer down in South Australia here that I was I was hunting and I I shot a few of them and um and then I remember I remember I was uh, seventeen or eighteen and I 
I booked in at like 100 bucks a day to fly up to a station in the Cape York. It was middle yep. of the wet season, but my family was um, was up there holidaying anyway at Early Beach. So instead of mucking around there, I flew out in the middle of the wet to this yeah station and mucked around out there for a week and um, shot a yeah I shot three boars and a couple of sows and it was just yeah I, I thought it was an absolute waste of time back then because you know it was. It was wasn't very good hunting yeah but you know now looking back at it and some of the stuff like some of these swollen rivers and that the cocky was driving me across and dropping me off and floating quads across creeks and floodplains and stuff to get to the other side with these like you know couple 44s and big strap between them yeah it sort of go back under between the wheels and stuff like this stuff that you (laughs) you never usually get to see it's um yeah i'm really glad i did it now but i think the main yeah like i really um i think it would have been about 18 18, maybe 19, when um, I sort of uh, started talking to Ben Solaris and we sort of thought, oh, we'll do some swap hunts. And yep. he had, you know, Cape York up there and he had, he had the, um, the the Chittle and I had like the fallow, good flat fallow blocks down here and, and the goats in New South Wales. So it, eventually it was going to be a fallow for a, a Chittle swap. And then gotcha. talking to him, next thing next thing I was up the Cape there with him and then he was, you know, he, I got, I think that, that trip, I got a 32-point boar, which was bigger than anything he'd ever got, which was kind of funny. And then he come back down here and um, took him goat hunting, and he got the bloody 42-inch goat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd, I didn't even crack 39 at that stage. So, yep. yeah, it's amazing how that works. But, yeah, we, then we, you know, we become friends and talked. And, yeah, it's just, yeah, I, I just, you know, everything that's available to me, I've just always had a real desire to try and chase it. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's sort of one of those things. I, I, yeah, almost a bit very addicted. Where start, you know, even things like camels. Like I, I, you know, hooked up with Benno pretty early on off the forum there, and mm. he said, "Come up to Alice and go do it." And you know, for, like I hadn't even thought about camels, sort of thing. And then you know, for the next six weeks before I went, all I could think about and all I could research and look at was camels. You know, yeah, yeah. It's um like it'd be like you with your mountain goats now. Probably yeah. you've watched that many YouTube things and oh, done that and much research. And you do you try you try and gauge the country, you try and gauge the, you know the the habits of the animal and those kind of things. Like you just you yep. you consume yourself in it. I suppose you could say. Yeah, you do. It's um yeah, and that's sort of one of the things I really do love about it. And like you know when you started you know like a a lot of a lot of the animals around the place I sort of just chased them because I had that desire to chase them but yeah then even when it got down to a few that you know I wasn't really thinking about chasing it or at all and then you think oh well, I want to get one of them now and then it's just the logistics you sort of start looking into where and who and how, who can help you out with it and how what can you help them with and you know it, it's it's amazing it is hope you know there's a lot of stuff goes into it sort of thing and and you know I've really I found out that I really enjoy that part of it like yeah. the figuring out the logistics and how to do it and it's you know it's really quite rewarding it might take a couple of trips or something to figure them out or to mm-hmm. you know or to, to find a you know the right contact to help you with it or something but it's um you know when when you do get it and it, you know yeah it is really rewarding i reckon i mean you've um you know you you obviously reached out and it was managed to contact with you know two of some of the best guys in bow hunting you know with benny and, and benny and benny um yep how much yeah, i got lucky <laughs> yeah most definitely i mean you know, just for two guys that have been there and done it themselves, and and you know, and obviously plenty of experience in their in their sort of locations. But how much have you relied upon, I guess, stories and you know, information from others? Um, I mean, I know that you've done a canoe trip, which is, um, you know, very popular. I think like the you know with with Dave Keeble and that um, talking about the same canoe trip. 
you know, how, how much have you relied upon making those experiences with these other guys and, and what have you picked up from everybody else? Yeah, well, I think that's um, pretty much like you just wouldn't know what's out there and what's available without it, you know, like it's, um, yeah, like it, 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 it's pretty much everything. Like without, if there wasn't magazines and if there wasn't magazines and forums, um, I'd probably still be just, just hunting, like some of the guys that I know here, I'd yep. be still just hunting fallow and goats and, uh, and you know, red deer and that down, you know, further south. Sure. That'd be just, you know, and that'd be it, you know, and I'd, I'd probably do a bit more fishing and a bit more other stuff in the state but because, I, you know, you wouldn't even really know what was out there. But like I said, I've, I've always been really addicted to that. Like it was a forum back in the day when you, you'd see what everyone all over the rest of Australia was doing. Um, and yeah, and you do, you see it and it, it, it motivates you to want to do it yourself, you know? Mm. So we'll move, we'll move into it. I mean, you, you, I don't know if you still are or, or maybe, um, maybe only very few of us, but you have taken the, it's the South Pacific 15, isn't it? It is the 15. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I managed to do, um, to tick off the last one of that, um, last year, which is pretty cool. So for anybody that doesn't know what South Pacific 15, there's 15 deer species in, um, I guess the southern hemisphere of the world. Um, Casey's managed to do that with a bow, which is oh, I still can't get my head around it. So that's why I struggle to um, to even talk about it. But talk talk us about you know how that started. Was it something that that you know turned out to be a goal, or has it just happened? It um, ma- majority of it just happened. Um, like I really, like I said that um, I started just chasing that you know, when you're getting a new species sort of thing, you get, you get to check out the new country and, and I sort of started really enjoying that sort of thing. So I was, you know, I was really starting to um, just chase different animals because I wanted to, to start with. Mm. And I didn't really think about um, much in the way of um, like the slam. Like I didn't really even know it existed for majority of the time. And then I remember thinking, oh, I want to get the Aussie, you know, cause a few of the, I'll see a few of the boys put up posts about having the Aussie slam. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I, I chased a few critters then in Australia um, that I needed. And then, you know, I'd already chased a bit of stuff in New Zealand. And then I remember hearing someone talk about the, the South Pacific one day. And I think at that stage, I only needed, um, I needed a white tail, a, a seeker and, uh, um, and a wapiti. And I was sort of, sort of thought, oh, well, <laughs> there's a, you <laughs> know, there's a, 30 year, there's a 30 year goal sort of thing. So, yeah, um, yeah I thought, you know, then I sort of got stuck into the um, white tail um, you know, planning and talking to guys about it and same sort of thing. Like, oh, how do we go about that? And there's Stewart Island or there's, you know, he'll pretty much Stewart Island's your best option. So, um, and yeah, I talked to like Daniel Pete who'd done a, done a trip down there and was quite successful. And um, yeah, then the end chatted to him again and talked to him, twisted his arm, not very hard and got him to, to want to go back down there. And we did the same block and yeah, we had a great trip. Like I, I shot a couple bucks, like little ones, but um couple bucks and everyone else got a deer and yeah it was just an amazing trip and like I'd, i'll be honest whitetail before i made it a goal to sort of tick off the last three for the south pacific mm-hmm. whitetail were not on my radar like I'd, sure. i would have i could have gone through my whole life at that stage and, and not ever killed one and i'd yep. be completely content but that like it would be honestly my favorite animal in the south pacific now and it's my favorite hunt and i've gone back every year since what and like that just that just shows you like you can't really ever have an opinion on a hunt or a way or, or you know even a way of hunting until you've you've tried it for yourself. Like don't knock it until you try it. I reckon because yeah you're missing out. What makes them? Um, and I'll, I can back you here because and I haven't even chased them yet. But I, I'm fascinated, as everybody knows, with America stuff. But I'm fascinated with the coos deer. 
which is pretty much nearly the same animal as what you're chasing yeah, Stuart yep. Solon. Yep. Um, what fascinates you about them so much after you hunted them? Like, is it their habits? Is it the location? It's a mixture of all it's, of it, but what? It, it is a bit, a bit of a mixture of all, but it's, um, it's more of just the hunt, like the hunts, like for what we do in Australia, like well, or everywhere else, really, like you spot and stalk or raw hunting, or mm-hmm. you know, like every, every hunt's a bit different, sort of thing. But it's still, it's still like similar in a lot of ways. Whereas down there, it's the bush is that thick and they're so sneaky. Um, like there, there's tons of them in some in your right spots. There's heaps and heaps of them. So you sit in a tree long enough, one will probably come past. But it's yeah, it's just the whole. It's just an absolute mind game. Like you, you. You're sneaking around. You're looking for spots, ambush positions, like saddles, trails, like scrapes. You know, all their food sources. Like it's yeah, it's it's an abs. Like I understand now why the, the Americans froth so much on the yeah. on their whitetail because it, it is. It's such a like you might not be a real physical hunt, but it's such a mental game. Like and even like you lay in like you get and you go like if you're doing it on the huts and stuff, you've got a cozy you know. Um, hut back there and you've got seafood and that like it's just it's an yeah an amazing experience just just being there but but yeah the actual hunt itself is just even when you get back there and you lay in your sleeping bag you can't sleep at night because you're thinking about where you should sit the next day like out of all the spots and then <laughs> you, you awesome. know you you sit in the morning and um and you check your trial cameras and you see a nice one and you know it's just yeah like anything could happen like you could get a real nice one you could shoot nothing um yeah but yeah, it's just it's a completely different hunt. Like it's just yeah, completely outside the square compared to everything else that I've done in the South Pacific, really. So step, um, that's mainly what I like about it. I think. Step us through a little bit about for anybody that doesn't know Stewart Island. So you're you're going to explain it to someone that doesn't know anything about it. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about Stewart Island. You know where it's located to New, you know to the mainland New Zealand, and and how it's all about. Yeah, well, it's like so. It's about thirty k's off the bottom, like right off the the very bottom. So I think I think it's classed a sub Antarctic island. So she's pretty cold. Yeah, and it's it's pretty much it's pretty much like rainforest bush from the ocean, like from like high tide level through the whole lot. And it's okay. you know just about impenetrable. Like you're walking through it's chest high, chest high crown fern. The deer just you know pretty much walk around underneath and yeah. and huge trees and it's. <laughs> it's absolute hell it's just like it's it's almost worse than the west coast sort of jungle nearly yep. like walking around in it so like you know I, I, when we did this big group hunt the other day it was quite funny i said about all the boys we sort of divided it up and everyone had a two kilometer hunt that they could go and put their stands in and i think all the boys were kind of looking at me sideways thinking is this guy for real he's only given two k's to hunt and i don't think i think ben Solaris is only he got about i think he got about nearly two k's out on his stand and I don't think anyone else come close to that far, and 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 there was heaps of country, and they just went, nah, like you don't need to go any further than that, like. So it, it's it's that it's that thick and it's that hard going, like there's dead fall everywhere. It's mossy, it's ferny, but it's really pretty. Like it's it's like Jurassic Park, like mm. you, it's just like walking through Jurassic Park. There's giant ferns, tree, like yeah, but and then you know you've got these big on the east side where we were. There's all these big bays and um, real sheltered bit bits and it, the seafood's just amazing so like you you know your powers and your muscles growing everywhere and and your, your cod blue cod and um wow. plenty of other fish just jump on the hook like nothing so <laughs> it's you know it's it's just an absolute fantastic spot like a real adventure like it'd be like going up to like alaska in some of those spots i think yeah. where it's you know you just don't think there's anyone else around but 
you know, and, and the Stewart Island's got all these beautiful huts there everywhere where, you you know, every day you get back and you're saturated, you're tired and you're wet and you can stoke the pot belly full of coal and, and dry everything out and have a beer and, you know, you get that real camaraderie around like the, in the hut as well as, yeah. so it's just like rut camp, you know. It's got everything. Um, yeah, exactly. You're just in this amazing place that's so far outside your normal hunting areas that yep. it's just so, yeah, so cool. Yeah, I love it. Like I'd, you know, I keep, I want to do, I've got heaps of other goals I want to chase and that, but I keep every year, I keep getting drawn down there for a couple of weeks. So, yeah. <laughs> it must have it's, been because um, we, we went down to, uh, to Bathurst there back in June and um, actually Ben had his, his crack and white tail that he took down there with you. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, he took that down to get it measured and um, they, between him and Dave Whiting and a couple of the others, all they did was talk about it. Out of all the hunts yep. that they've done, you know, you know, Benny's got a mile long, but you know they they were just absolutely absorbed in the conversation with, and and that's what intrigued me. And actually, I've got a buddy, um, Nick Peterson. Um, they've just booked to go next year, so him is on me. Yeah, sweet. And, you know, yep. just just from those conversations, you know, and oh yeah, exactly. It, it that, really does sound I, like that trip. Yeah, and that that's what I said about like with this, you know, the big big group trip we did. I sort of said, you know. I look and I shot a nice one like the year before, and I've, so I sort of feel like I've you know, completed what I said I was going to do twenty trips to try and get a nice one. I got mm. done my second, so I got really lucky there. But you know, I kind of feel that everyone else should be. You know what I mean? One of those hunts that's just so cool that you sort of want to promote it to other other Aussies. Um, yeah. So yeah, then that's what I said after this. You know, group hunt. I said, well, everyone knows now how how to go about it. Like I said, it is a bit of a logistical nightmare, and yeah. I really, and I do love all those hunts that sort of not many people do, like that, mm. um, yeah, that, that sort of, you know, not much is known about them and that. So yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, and, and that's really opened it up now. Like there's a, there should hopefully be a lot of guys go and get to the experience that same sort of hunting down there, which would be really cool. And yeah, that's that's good to hear that there's a few guys, you know, already starting to get keen on it. Yeah. I know there's already talk about another another big mission for, <laughs> for um, I think, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> if we, yeah. If we manage to book any blocks, sort of thing, so that'd I think be cool. Yeah, uh, I might have to. I was talking to Ben. I think I'll have to put my hand up for that one. That's for sure. So yeah, for but, sure. Uh, you know, exactly. and I think, and it, it goes to show. You know, it as much as the hunting, and that's important. You know, hence the name of this podcast. You know, hunting camp. There's, you know, it, it does make it with the the people that you're with. You know, can make it break the trip as well. It sounds like you had an awesome crew there earlier in the year. Yeah, exactly, and that and that's really what does make it like this. The the whole having so many people on you know if if you wanted to do really like you know the really well and and really maximise your hunting opportunities, you'd go with two guys and you'd split the whole block up between you all and you know you'd probably camp out away from the hut when that doesn't get hunted and sleep in the tent and and hunt first light and 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 evening or sit all day in the tree stands and that which you know we pretty much only hunted evenings because yeah. half of us were probably too hungover in the morning <laughs> and um. And, and it was just too, like, logistical um, challenging to get in there in the morning because a lot of us had, you know, like a 20-minute boat ride to get to some parts of our block and that. So sure. it was, yeah, so we ended up just, just you know, it was it, it was better that way, the way the hunt was because you could sit around and, and stay up late and talk. And, like, a lot of us hadn't even met before, which, yeah. you know, it was always it was always a bit of a fear of mine that there'd be a couple of guys not get on. Um and you know, it's like you only need a couple of guys have a beef, and it sort of puts a big downer on things. But yeah. no, it was, it didn't even come close to happening. Like it was, yeah, every, everyone sort of come along, and got, like some guys were great mates already. But um, you know, we're all great mates now, and you know, we catch up 
for the rest of our lives and we'll all you know we'll all still talk about that trip there was just yeah like you, you couldn't write a story about it this wouldn't be enough paper you know that's unreal i mean obviously benny got his good one was there any other deer taken yeah i think we got um i think we got 10 i think oh shit right i think there's 10 deer 10 out of i think there's only two of us didn't get a deer nice. so um but yeah it was funny like you you know ben got two or maybe there's three didn't get deer i got a um i got like a nice little little like two point buck or he's like a big like curved spiker like uh-huh. he's got the white tail beams but no points yep um and yeah i think um franco got a got like a nice little button buck spiker thing and um, lee got a buck and then a few other boys got some does and uh, a couple of yearlings and stuff like that so mm. we got i think there was like nine or eight or nine skins or something like that ten i fell in and sent out because the skins are a trophy in themselves too yeah yeah they're beautiful i don't like that I mean, um, as I said, I've only really had anything to do with the coos deer, which is, as I said, the same animal. But this, yeah, the skins on them is just—I don't know. It's like—it's like fake. It's unreal. Yeah, yeah. It's just that real hollow, dense fur. Yeah. I reckon. Um, I reckon these um, Stewart Island deer are actually more like a Sitka blacktail because right. of the. Yeah. Okay. Because they've been—I can't really. It's over a hundred and something years now. I think they've been. Um, they've been down there, and that's long enough. They sort of start to evolve a bit for their. Um, yeah you know, the, the, the new location sort of thing. And it, it, the location there is very similar to where the Sitka black cut tail are in Alaska. Yep. yep. And yeah, a lot of guys, like even some of the Americans, when I put my photos up, have said, Oh, that looks like a Sitka, you know, like, um, Interesting. and they, yeah, the facial sort of markings and that sort of do and a bit darker coat and that. So it yep. is, yeah, it is very interesting. They're kind of, you know, they've been there long enough now and they kind of are their own little species, which mm. I think is pretty cool, you know, like having, having our own white tail for the South Pacific and, and it really isn't that hard to go and chase them if once you know how. Like, there's a few you got to book some boats and some you got to book a block a fair way in advance and that sort of thing. But it's um yeah, it's it really is an untouched little gem that we haven't like us Aussies haven't really been getting into like um not like the tar and the chamois and all those other ones over there. Mm. How do you, I mean? It's probably a little bit because they, you know they're a smaller deer. That's probably why they haven't got the attention. But you know, it just goes to show the adventure sort of you know makes up for that part. But you know, how, how did the sort of the Seeky come about? I mean, that's another deer that, you know, probably doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, you know, was that one that you always had on the list as well or it was just ended up being, you know, one of the ones you hadn't taken or? Yeah, I sort of, um, it wasn't really on my radar at all, really. Like like I said, it was sort of the Whoppity, like the Fjordland. I'd, I'd already gone and done a trip in Fjordland just because of the adventure, mm. um, like a few years before and chase them but yeah the seeker and the white tail weren't really on my radar at all and um you know i sort of thought oh if i want to i want to try and get you know get the 15 i need these three so i sort of just started looking at my best way and um to get them um and anyway i said i was looking at doing a um, white tail trip so i hit up um paul southwell and said i oh, do you want to do you want a um <laughs> another, do a white tail? another bloke that's good to know yeah exactly <laughs> yeah well well he pretty much handed my um seeker to me on a platter because he'd done He'd done like two or three seeker trips, um, or, or something like that, and he'd shot it. I think he'd shot it um, at a fairly nice stag the year before, but he hadn't got his real nice one. He'd seen some good ones, so he wanted to go back. But um, but yeah, I offered offered him because I was wanting to wanting to go over and do a trip in on the island again for for a whitetail, and yep. I um I knew he only needed a whitetail for for his slam, so I just offered to him and said, oh, hey mate, you want to come down and do this and um. And this was like a year before we were going and he's like, Oh yeah, sounds good. And then he rang back and said, Hey, how about we do the seeker in the rut and then the white tail, which is kind of be kind of pre rut. So the seeker is sort of 15th of April and then okay. 
then drive from central North Island all the way down to the bottom of the South Island um, for a bit of a road trip and then go, you know, then go down and onto a block and, and hunt, you know, hunt the whitetail in the block I had booked sort of thing. And, well, I thought, oh, shit, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, so anyway, and then in between, I ended up doing a Fjordland trip uh, halfway between that and and tick, ticked off my – I'd already had the whitetail ticked off by then. But, yeah, then I um, end up going in um, – get on a summer trip like hard velvet when they we still had that open to do yep a couple of years ago we went in there and shot like a bit of oh, it's a hybrid bull but a bit of a cull animal but i was still stoked i just to take something out of that oh, that environment country, was incredible yeah. yep but um so i got that so then by the time it come around to paul and my trip all i needed was the seeker and um yeah all he needed was the white tail which was really cool so we both ended up it was within a week we both killed him so oh. we um yeah we pretty much both got it on that trip which so, was um yeah pretty amazing considering like well they, from from our for our knowledge no australians done it but oh, they could have not everyone tells everyone everything so yeah you know no australian that, that we knew of had done it and then we both did it within a week so that was bloody cool that's unreal i've got to give credit to paul because i didn't realize he had it so well, yeah, 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 he big, has. Yep. Big, big congrats to him as well. Um, I mean, there must oh, be sure. there must be many of that have done it with a bow. No, well, I I don't think um I don't like, there's a, definitely a lot a lot of other guys close in Australia now that are yeah. winning, like a couple that's for sure. But um, but yeah, I think um like I was talking to um Ian Fenton there the other day, and I think there is a there's a handful of Americans that have done it. Yep. Um, with a bow, um, most of them. Oh, you know, like each their own with the way they do it, but a lot yeah, of them, sure. are, you know, I think that they they call it like a Malik Award and stuff, where you can shoot some of them in a pen and, and stuff like that, like three out of the fifteen or something can be gotcha. in a pen and that. Whereas, yeah. I think you know, you know, the way we sort of all do it is, um, yeah, all sort of free range and, and wild animals and that where they where they you know reside. So yeah, it's um yeah, oh, it's pretty cool. It's it it's cool to have done it and like in same thing. Like like I only sort of it sort of only become a goal of mine because I heard of other rifle hunters that had done it. And I was like, yeah. Oh, that's cool. You know, having shot everything available to us down here. And, and there's a lot more that, that aren't even counted in the 15, you know, like there's, there's camels and there's, I don't even think scrub bull. They're not on there. No. Um, you know, Arapara rams, turkeys, all sorts of stuff. Like there's, you know, there's heaps of stuff that aren't actually on the, the 15 too. So it's listen endless, but, um, yeah, it was really cool to sort of have it. And even, you know, the best thing about having done it now is just, like everyone else sort of thinking, oh, yeah, well, it is doable and, um, you know, promoting it a bit for everyone else to give it a crack. Yeah. Talk us, and, and we probably skipped it a little bit, um, but talk us through like a seeker hunt because I, I honestly don't know anything about them. Um, what Are they in a similar area to like Fjordan or they're a completely different area? What What's, what's yeah, the sort of story compl- with them? completely different so they're up like um central north island up there and they're all oh, up in that right. like old uh, yeah that, uh, like pumice sort of um volcanic country up there okay and that that that's like it's it's heaps smaller hill like it's all mountains and that but it, the heaps smaller than like the south island hills yeah um and it, it, it's very kind of wet and ferny and that but it's it's real quiet ground like it, it's all beach forest and that and it's it's actually like the ferns grow far enough apart. They're like a meter apart. So you can sneak around. You feel like a ninja in that country. Like you can sneak around. <laughs> I'm just, I am and... just picturing you in a ninja outfit going through the ferns <laughs> right now. <laughs> but you, you actually do in like, like if you're in the West coast or in your Don Stewart Island, you're making that much noise. Like I'm terrible in the bush like that. Like I need to go sit in a tree and just, 
you know, ambush one. But down in that, that seeker country, just so beautiful and quiet. Um, you can just, you can actually stalk around really well. It's, um, it's just made for stalking that country, but, and there's, there is plenty of deer, but the thing that really, um, that really surprised me was how many people are out there. Yeah, right. like we bumped into we bumped into people nearly every day, and you're sneaking around, and there's you're bumping into people's tents. Like <laughs> I don't know what the figures are, but there's thousands of people go hit the bush in the Seeker Raw every year. Oh, right. And um, and I guess that's why a couple of people end up getting accidentally shot every year because it was it was a really it was um, full on. Yeah, it was, and it was like a really sick feeling a couple of times. Like oh, I had a stag he whoring, like they let out this real weird sort of roar. And he's hee-hawing away, and I'm, like, sort of sneaking in through the bush, and it's pretty tight. But this, you know, everyone's got game cool, like electric game coolers. So I'm like, this could be a guy with a game cooler with a gun looking for some movement coming in. Because oh, what a lot of, like, that's how you can sort of hunt them one way, is you find a scrape, and you, you let out the hee-haws with the game cooler and wait for 15 minutes, and the, the stag whose territory that is will sneak in real, like, you know, almost stalk in to look. Mm-hmm. So you have to sit, like, after you call, sit there for, like, 10 to 15 minutes and wait and just watch for movement. And, you know, you'll get this stag sort of sneak in that lock behind you and um, come in, you might get a crack at him. Like, I I oh. had, like, I had, I tried that. I had about three or four stags sneak in on me and, like, I wasn't good enough to see him. All I heard was, like, the, the bark and then a bolt off sort of thing. Yep. So when I was, when I shot my stag, I, I, snuck, I actually walked past a guy's tent 100 metres from the stag that was calling. Oh. And I... Uh, I'm like, oh, no, this is a dude for sure. And I had a bright orange hat on. I'm sneaking in. And it got to the point where I was, like, sticking my hat out behind the tree, from behind the tree every time before I'd stick my head out. Because I was sort of oh. thinking, you know, like, it was it was playing on my mind that much. Yeah, that it, no, I don't blame Yeah, and then, you know, I got real close and snuck my head around. It was this, there was a seeker stag there, like, hot on a hind, just letting out these roars at 30. And I was like, oh, you beauty. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that the one you slammed? Yeah, it was. Yep, yep. So that was, um, yeah, just a just a perfect scenario, really. Like it was a big long stalk because it's hard, like a new species. You don't you hear it roaring. You don't know how far away it is, but yeah, generally if you can hear them, they're only within a hundred. So you okay. sort of, yeah, I busted a few out because I sort of thought they were further away and that. But yep. just one of those things. It's this just big learning curve, and <laughs> um, yeah, I guess the quicker you can learn, the less trips it'll take you on them. How do you find? You know, obviously. We all sort of, you know, we get, you know, these big trips, you're sort of going over, you know, seeker, use that one as an example, but how, how do you shortcut the learning curve, you know, for instance, just like that, you know, you're, you're 100 yards, is it purely just being able to spend the time in the bush, make the mistakes, make up for it, or has there been something you've taken on board, maybe something someone said to you or something that, you know, has helped you out with that kind of thing? Yeah, it's just usually just like, people that have done it like i just pick everyone's brain a lot like yep. like i said like i my my seeker was just handed to me on a platter really with southie because he'd done all the research he'd made the contacts and found the you know the really good spots and mm-hmm. and took me in there you know i was just a guest in there in, in that country that he'd sort of unlocked and you know he'd he'd done a few trips so he, he told me exactly you know how how to call them in and, and their and you know their movements and i mean i did plenty of youtube and that as well but nothing you know, nothing sort of helps. Like, you know, and he was the one that sort of said, he, you know, if you, he reckons if you want to get the big ones, you don't call to them. You just go to the ones calling because you only ever call the satellites in, which yep. I, I'm a big believer of that with fallow and reds and all, all mm-hmm. other animals as well. If you want the mature ones, they've usually got the hinds and they're not the ones you're going to pull out the bush. So yep. um, go to them. So that's kind of, you know, that was, you know, his words playing on my mind when that stag was there because there were some satellites with that one. 
if I'd pulled up 80 metres off and called, I would have probably got a little, you know, a three-point or something come in and would have shot that, and I would have still been stoked. But mm-hmm. in the end, I ended up getting, like, quite a mature stag, which is which is nice. But, yeah, it's yeah. just a just, – um, just a lot just everything really just research um and that's like like i said i go into like a frenzy before a hunt and i just i watch youtube like youtube watch videos i ask people that have that have killed them like annoy the crap out of them probably and and yeah just it, i can't help it like it's just and that's something i do really love about those new species like it was almost a little bit sad like that secret seeker trip was kind of like the last animal that I'd, you know, completely not even set foot, hadn't ever seen in the in the bush at mm-hmm. all in like, you know, in our part of the world. It was like that was the last one I'd I'd never actually laid eyes on a wild seeker or even a pen one really. So it was yeah, that was kind of like a little bit of a bit sad. <laughs> like, oh well, there's nothing else here now that I haven't actually, you know, experienced. Um, yeah, a bit of yeah, surreal bit, bit of a surreal yeah, sort of feeling. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, like then there's a whole of America now that I'm sort of starting to look at and <laughs> look Africa <out. laughs> and Europe and, oh, yeah, exactly. There's, it's never-ending. It's yeah. a never-ending piece of string. <laughs> with the amount that you've done, um, and we, we never have enough time to talk about it all, but with the amount that we've done, what's the what's the one hunt that's really stuck in your mind? And it doesn't have to be one of your big ones, but what's one that's just stuck in your mind? Um, oh, there's lots and there's, there's kind of different sort of categories, eh? Like mm-hmm. there's like some of the ones like, like this, um, like this Stuart Island trip, this group hunt where like, you know, the hunting was kind of chill, but just the mateship and the camaraderie and, that's awesome. you know, like, you know, like that, even, even like we did this Malacca and Rusa hunt last week and, you know, having like Remy Warren there and, and, you know, just his stories and, you know, cause he's done just. You know, I, you know, I've done a little bit compared to him, but he's yeah. done just, you know, insane amount of hunting. Just, you know, hearing some of his stories and some of his experiences and that, and like just, you know, having some of my other best mates around there, like Genzi and Wally and that. Like that was just, you know, like I just, oh, you know, you come away from a trip like that just fully satisfied, thinking that it's just so good. But yep. you know, it wasn't any great big record deer broken, and I didn't, you know, didn't nearly kill myself with like with effort and. No, no big rewards or anything but then you've got like ones like fjordland where you know like to go take that animal out of fjordland even just you know like just even to get to spots that and to carry stuff that's heavier than what i ever thought i'd you know be capable of doing um like it's yeah it's, it's just a different sort of hunt like yeah definitely fjord fjordland um being up in the tops in fjordland um in some nice weather and that like that that really sticks in my mind it's probably one of my one of my favorite things and like I'll, I'll be putting in for the ballots every, every year now to, to yep. try and go back in there because it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a hunt you get nervous about and you almost dread getting in there, but, <laughs> but like you, you can't beat that feeling. Like once you come out the bush after it's like, it's funny. It, it really only becomes um, special to you more after you get out the bush, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, fu- funny how we push ourselves to that. <laughs> yeah. You survived it. <laughs> It's funny how, you know, I was only talking to someone uh, just just yesterday, how sometimes these hard hunts, whether successful or not, are the ones that stick out our minds. Um, is it just purely the, the willing of, event, like the will to push boundaries or like what sort of drives you to to keep going, I suppose you could say? It's, well, that's the thing with Fjordland is you kind of don't have a choice. Like, yeah, okay. you know, like a lot of, 
in, you know, I don't know anywhere else, in, even in Australia, you know, you sort of think, oh, no, this is getting a bit tough. I'll go back and I'll go a different way. Mm-hmm. It's literally like there's there's one way in or out of a canyon or up a, a ridge or, you it. know, to get to the top. And, you know, you sort of start going somewhere. Like, like I remember that the first trip over there, me and Franco, like, we, we went up around this lake and the little note thing we had that told us how to get around the blocks at Sandy Beach is around Lake McKinnon and we got there and we had to pretty much swim it. <laughs> um, for a K to get around it, like just holding on to the, holding on to the ferns and stuff hanging in the water around the edge, and then we got up the edge and we end up climbing up a waterfall. Then we weren't going back down, so we we just had to keep going, you know, like, yeah. and like oh, there's no. If I was a way out, I would have just pressed the button and got <laughs> taken out. out. But See ya. yeah, you had to. But then you know, like you said, you then you you sort of after you've done that, you think, well, I, I can do that, and it's sort of yeah, you you really um, become tougher as sort of. I guess as a person in a lot of ways with able to, you know, when you do plan more hunts than that, and then you sort of know what you can and can't do and, and yeah. what you definitely shouldn't do, which doesn't waste as much time. If you try and, <laughs> you know, if there's no deer trails there, don't go there. Yeah, took, yeah. Oh, ben, like, ben and I, like we'll have that one of these climbs we did from sun up to sundown to do, I think it was 1.3 Ks up. And I think it was two Ks on the map in, in distance. Oh, and it, it took a sun up to sundown and we were just like, I've, I've like we're nearly throwing up with that exhausted when we got there and it was a complete waste of time. Like it was just an absolute, like we would, should not have even done it. I don't even think deer could get to this, like <laughs> this, these patch of tops that we got to because we didn't see a track or a, yeah. it was just like, yeah, virgin bush where we were. They'd never had a bloody deer walk through it. it like, yeah. Good but you know, just stuff like that. It, exactly. We wanted <laughs> to get to the tops and get our photos up there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. But, you know, yeah, but you know, now just that experience going back in there, like, I, yeah, it, it's just one of those things. It, it's only experience can really do it. You could ask, ask that many people and they'd tell you not to, like, we got told don't go out there if there's no deer trails. We still yeah. did. So, yeah, um, yeah it, I think it's yeah, just experience, really. If you step back, and you kind of know the answer to this, but if you step back, um, you know, before you've done that hunt, you know, was there moments that you did, you know, maybe take the easy way or um, you thought, ah, bugger, you know, I'm not going to push to that point until you've done something like that hunt and it really sort of changes you. You know, did you have those moments, you know, before that hunt? Yeah, well, it's just, it just completely changes your, um, your um, perspective on it really because like I know now that, um, the reds were kind of roaring down in the bottom of the gullies there, and we just walked away from them to go and put, like, bash out into the whole <laughs> the whole block. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like if I was to go back there now, I'd probably yeah, I'd probably just get dropped up in one of those big basins that I know are going to hold. Like now I know what's going to hold animals. I need that yeah, okay. could feed country and that. I'd probably get dropped into a spot like that and I would hunt it a lot <laughs> easier <laughs> Yeah, and I'd yep. just spend my time and hunt that bush and hunt it properly. Instead, we, we were like, I don't, we wouldn't have even said we're hunting. We were literally just trying to get back to our base camp but <laughs> <laughs> and it took us five days because we weren't, we, we weren't confident we could get back down some of the spots we climbed up. So yeah, it was, yeah, like it, it was just a full, like we we're just thrown in the deep end, like, yeah. You know, it's like we're probably pretty young and naive and sort of thought, ah, oh, now we're, you know, <laughs> we'll be right. <laughs> Typical Aussies. And, um, yeah, it was certainly um, certainly bit off more than we could chew, I think. But, yeah, we did survive it. And, um, yeah, a lot smarter now. Like, and 
and even yeah, like I, I still had that in my by the next trip I went back, I still had in my head how bad it was going to be. Yeah, and how you know, and like I was really nervous, like like scared, like sort of game of like a, a game of um, you know, like a um grand final sort of thing playing sure. footy. Yeah, it was like that, like getting dropped in there, thinking, oh no, here we go here again, we go again. gonna <laughs> gonna break me. But it was yeah, just bit that bit, bit of extra knowledge and a bit better, um, you know, sit back and really look at the topo maps on where the lines are on them and how to get up things and. It was, yeah, it was a lot. It was, yeah, like it was actually enjoyable this time, not just enjoyable after <laughs> to think back on it. <laughs> Do you reckon, you know, obviously if you didn't have that experience the year before going up something that, you know, was just a complete waste of time, which we've all done, but... Do you think if you hadn't had that, had that experience, you wouldn't have made the following year as enjoyable? You reckon you would yeah, have de- done it again? Yeah, definitely. Like when I come out that first time, I said we're never going to do it again. Like mm-hmm. stuff this or chase red somewhere else. But like, yeah, it, it's definitely like I wouldn't change a thing. Like, you know, if if someone said, oh, if you you could have your time again, not and go somewhere else, because that was pretty much the worst block in Fiordland we had. It turns out now with a bit of it, you know, now that I know it, I've done the <laughs> now research. We, now, now like, someone tells you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I remember. I remember because I remember, Benno was actually the one who booked that block, so I, it's still his fault. <laughs> but I remember uh, reading Simon Gibson's book on Fjordland and uh, it said about large burn and it said, it's a hard block, not many tops, not much access to the tops. It floods easy in heavy rain. It was just, everything was bad. Not many yeah. whoppity or no, no whoppity pretty much. <laughs> what what the <laughs> hell are we reading, doing there? I know. I remember sending a photo of it, of the book to him when it said, it's a good pick, Benno. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like now you wouldn't have it any other way because yeah. it really was... Yeah, like it was hard. <laughs> the only thing we got out of there was a couple of trout sort of thing and a big eel. But, you know, like it was it was hard. But like you said, it, it really, yeah, it, it really does shape your perspective and that. And, you know, like we go, we, you know, come back and do the tar hunts and that now. And um, they don't see that seem that bad, you know, like yeah. you sort of, you know, you sort of think, oh, yeah, we'll get up there. And whereas mm-hmm. you'd probably have to hold back a lot more if you hadn't done worse. Yeah. Where do you draw the line in? This this sounds stupid, but where do you draw the line in when you're hunting or when you're backpacking or just trying to hike, you know, cliff climb, so to speak? Like, where do you draw the line to say, look, that's just going to be a waste of time? Do you have that much drive to try and get to that animal? Or if you've done enough now, it's like, nah, we're not going there today. Yeah, yeah well, I've probably, yeah, I've probably just take you know risk to reward and weigh it up in my head <laughs> whereas um and like i probably didn't even get the chance to do the stupid stuff because i watched ben do it on our car hunt <laughs> oh man he ended up he ended up on this little ledge that he could half fit his feet on he, he climbed up there by like swinging the ice axe into the cliff and pulling himself up mm. and and just expecting it was going to get better. <laughs> and then I remember hearing his quivering voice on the radio. Um, I'm kind of stuck. Oh, I don't know. I can't shit. go back down. You guys, can you guys see if I can go up? And he just, we see, we find him and he's just his cliff face and Benno's standing there like glued against the, the wall. Oh, no. And, you know, we started thinking that we're going to have to get a chopper in yep. for him that. And eventually he bloody just grit his teeth and dug that ice pick in and just pulled himself up the cliff and managed to, get above it sort of thing but oh, yeah. you know he was real determined there was a couple cracker balls just above that lip and if he could get up through there he was going to have a you know a really good chance at him but you know after seeing him do that i just remember thinking nah like there's always there's heaps of tar there's heaps and heaps of tar there's always going to be another opportunity 
And um, and what I've found with Tara and that now it's just it, it's really you know, using your brain more than anything. Be like, why well, you know. Because a, a tar stalk, um, I don't know if you've chased them or not yet, but no, a tar stalk no. takes you like, it'll take you all day. Like, yeah. Unless you're if, if you're up on the on top of, above them and that, you might get a few. But if you're coming from the valley floor, you're spotting a mob, it's literally an all day event. You'll be coming down in the dark. So, yep. You know, if you're there for a week, you you, you might have like five stalks. If you you're know? Lucky. So, yeah. So you really got to you know pick and choose and really um, yeah try and find the one you're going to capitalize on because. Um, yeah, otherwise, you, you know, you're just going to waste your time the whole time or it could be too dangerous if it, you know, you're risking your life trying to get up some of those spots that you shouldn't be because mm. you might walk around the corner and there'll be a good bull down a bench like just off the creek, you know, like it's, um, yeah, so I sort of look for, I just look for, yeah, those opportunities a bit more with some of those mountain mountain hunts. <laughs> That's on Because, uh, yeah, it, it can be, I, I remember just like this is only last year we, had a couple spare days, so we just went up Mount Cook area and raced up a couple side creeks there. And the first day, we seen these tar, and as soon as we got in the creek, we seen these tar, and they were about a k and a half above us. And we got up there and we shot one, and it was just, oh, it was a massive climb, like it was in, incredible. And then the next day, we used our head and went, nah. We followed the creek <laughs> all the way up to the head of the creek, yeah. and then by then the tar were at the same elevation as what they were at the start, like at the mouth of the creek, but we'd climbed, you know, a kilometre gradually to get up there. So then we only had a 200 metre um, push to get up to them. Okay. Yep, yep, got you. And, um, yeah, so for now on, I'll be I'll be going to the head of the creek and hunting my way back out, I thought, just because it's just, yeah, it, the, the, you know, there weren't any, like, these were just nannies were shooting a couple for meat. But, um, yeah, it was it was just, <laughs> like you said, uh, just using your head a little bit more and you can capitalise so much better. When you come back home, you know, and and you come back to you know, say your your regular season hunts back here, chasing the fallow and the reds and that. You know, how much do those big hunts help you when you come back? You know, do they? Do you just take it for granted? It's like, oh, you know, I've just come back all these, or is that still something that holds a you know pretty strong, you know, part of your uh, your hunting career when you're coming back home? Yeah, well, like it's those those um, bread and butter hunts are kind of. Like I, I probably wouldn't give up any, you know what I mean? Like you talk about all yeah. these hunts, I'm an R and should we do this? Should we do that? And like, you know, you don't even talk about like, you know, the fallow and red because they're just, they're just cemented in for the rest of our life, you know? Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Like they're, they're just, you know, that's like, yeah, that's pretty much just, yeah. What they're my favorite hunts pretty much. I, yeah. I'll always love the fallow. Fallow would have to be my favorite though. First deer I've hunted, and the deer I've hunted probably the most out of everything. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it wouldn't matter if I shot the biggest one in the world; I'd, I'd still be chasing them, I think. And yeah, it's sort of you know, I, I, I do, you know, I do nowadays try and manage them a little bit, and I'll sort of look for the look for like the really old mature bucks, and I'll take them. Like I'll take any you know, like eight, nine plus year old buck out and enjoy the hunt, and you know, take the venison and and, and hang the head up in the trophy room, and then all the sort of younger ones and that. Um, I'll sort of leave even if they are sort of bigger than what yeah. I've taken just because yeah. I'm sort of just trying to manage them and yeah, I just really respect them. I like them a lot sort of thing. So it's, um, yeah, they'd probably be my, my favourite. And yeah, like you said, those local hunts and the, the stuff in Australia that um, I do every year, it's, um, yeah, I don't think like going overseas and or over to New Zealand doing those real hard mountain hunts. I think it, I think it makes me appreciate the, um, the rut hunting in, in our hills a lot more. But yeah. It was funny. I remember when I first come back from the first tar hunt I did, 
there's some of these places in the Flinders that um, I never even bothered hunting goats. I thought, oh, that's too steep and thick. You wouldn't even get up in there. <laughs> yep. And I remember coming back and driving out in that country again, um, going, oh, man, this is easy. <laughs> and, like, actually, actually started chasing a few goats in there again and got a yeah. few, like, oh, like, like, nice billies for that area sort of thing because it was um, – yeah, like you said, you just had a whole new perspective on what how what hard country was to hunt. Yep, yep. I guess you know it's all it's all good for us to say that I suppose we've um, you know we've been and done some of these harder hunts and and that. But what what's some kind of um, you know what would you say to someone that hasn't done it but you're trying to get them to come with you, trying to get them to push, make that little bit extra effort. You know what what can you tell them to to try and find within themselves? It's, yeah, it's hard really because everyone's, you know, like everyone's a different personality and everyone has a bit different, um, you know, like a bit different go about them with stuff. And, you know, some guys really want it, like like Benno, really wanted that tar, you know, mm, yep. <laughs> enough that he wasn't going to look down. There's a lot of <laughs> other guys or more like myself, you know, <laughs> sort of add, like go to the caution more and be like, ah, oh, nah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll go find a different one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you know, like just with weight and stuff like that, like, um, like, you know, I've got a lot of guys that sort of, you know, been with some guys that you've, you've weighed the packs up and that and the whinge about it and they haven't even walked anywhere yet, you know, like yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, just give it a crack. I'd say like, just, you know, <laughs> have it, have a go at it. And, you know, if it, it does knock your knees up or whatever, then yeah, we'll, you know, we'll take either weight out or you won't yeah. go as far and stuff like that. But it, it is amazing what. You know, like you, you, you are capable of in some of those, like in some of the weights and stuff you can carry and where you can get to and that. Like you look at some, like over in New Zealand, there you look at some of those mountains and that, and you just sort of think there's no, you know, like there's no way you're going to go up in there with a big backpack and actually be able to carry it up there. But you know, you give it a crack and think, oh, we'll see how we go. And um, yeah, you get there and you do it, and you, you, yeah, you're surprised. But then the next time you know you can do it. So it just, like you said, you're growing yourself a bit with with yeah and then you can really capitalize on each hunt more because your planning is a lot more <laughs> a lot better because you know where you'll get to and yep. where you're not this is going to be hard for you to answer because i know the personality you are but what makes you so successful in the way that you know you, you definitely have you know you've harvested some great like truly you know trophy animals and, and especially a lot of your deer species you know you've you sort of hit the pinnacle on each one have you got something that, you know, that stands out to you? What, what makes you, you know, it can be anything, it can be time, patience, whatever it may be, but is there something there that sticks in your mind, you know, why and how you've done what you've done? Luck, mate. <laughs> I knew <laughs> you were going to say luck. It's, you've it's, got to create luck. It, it, it honestly, it, it is, it is luck, but it, it's, it's luck through time in the yep. bush. Like, like anyone that, anyone that, um, like I don't, I don't post much nowadays. Like I'm in the, I'm, I'm in the bush like a ridiculous amount of time. Like if, <laughs> yeah. Like I wish, I, I, I wish people knew how much. How, yeah, my close mates that know how how much time I actually spend, like where I should be working, but actually in the bush <laughs> chasing animals. And, you're working. You're like, working. You're working <laughs> exactly. Like the um, you know, like the the day, the days to killing a big animal ratio aren't very good if you were to work them out like i'm i'm not i'm not this you butte hunter i probably actually if you're going to do your, your days to animals i'd be a terrible hunter but <laughs> i'm just i just put a lot of time in um yeah. you know and i don't and that's what i just kind of figure like 
you'll get your you will get your opportunities if you sort of try and do the right things and you and you're in the right spots and you and you put in a lot of time and um yeah then it's just a matter of capitalizing on them and which you you know as you know you don't always do you sort yeah. of stuff plenty up but they, that makes you smarter and better at it but and i guess more time in the bush you do get a bit better at it but like i the last three years i think i've done well that year with um southie when we went over and did new zealand as well i think that was six weeks straight i was in yeah. the bush like yeah. from the red the reds yes yeah, so it was red deer fallow um seeker then whitetail um yeah it was six weeks like full on and literally coming home repacking bag for new zealand going over yeah um, and yeah, I know that like I've done three or four weeks on the reds and fallow, um, every, every, pretty much every year, I nearly take a month off to do that and then come back and chase my tail for three weeks and then do, you know, May you do your Stewart Island and then you come back, chase your tail for three weeks and then do you start doing rooster and yep. yeah, it's just, it's, it's a full addiction and, um, I'm lucky I've sort of got the freedom. I have been able to spend that time because a lot mm. of guys can't with normal jobs. Um, but yeah, you know, as are getting like sort of getting married next year so who knows we'll see if i'm still allowed to do as much as what i am so you'll be all right just i think that's why exactly <laughs> that's where i think like the last three years i've just gone mad <laughs> like a like almost like a little midlife crisis like a marriage <laughs> crisis just to get get as much in as i can so i'm actually quite content now like i'm i'm um yeah, like like I said, it's I'm sort of more enjoying the hunts now with like good people and just those groups sort of, just the camaraderie and the um, and yeah, just having good guys and just even just seeing everyone else's experiences and and their success too. It's it's awesome. Like this, yeah, like it's taking someone else that hasn't been into that bit of bush or chased that sort of animal before and and seeing them shoot one sort of thing and the look on their face and knowing that was that was the exact look that I had, you know, a couple of years ago doing it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Like, um, and yeah, that's, that's sort of one of my favorite things now as well. Now credit to you, man. Cause it takes a lot to get to that. You know, there's a lot of people that would, you know, would probably, you know, see something giant there and you know, you've probably, you probably got this from Southie as well, you know, to, to be able to hand something to someone else or, you know, get just as much out of it from just purely just being involved with it, I think, you know, that, that takes a lot to get to that, you know, especially when you're on these big hunts and doing a lot of Ks and miles and hours and time. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm just, know, I, yeah, I'm just, I, I'm just really lucky with the, like the good mates I do have around me with the hunting now. Like I've, yeah, I've got a great circle of mates now and it's just like, it's just completely selfless. Like now, you know, there's, there's not a selfish bone in, in any, any of my mates' bodies. Like I've, mm -hmm. You know, one of my best mates that I hunt with is a rifle rifle hunter, and I hunt with him more than most guys. And uh, you literally have to, you know, pull the trigger for him for him to <laughs> shoot something. Like it does, it would be the biggest red stag he's ever seen, and he's absolutely addicted to reds. Yeah. And you know, he'd be like, "Oh, you have a stalk on it first, and I'll just set up in case it looks at you or something." I'll just say, "Don't be stupid, just get it." Like, yes, you, you know, he's just yeah. And I'm just I'm just lucky because. You know what it's like. If if you had someone that you were hunting with that was really selfish the whole time, mm. it'd almost you know he'd, you'd start to rub off on you and you'd start to act that way too. But because of the guys I associate with, you know, you, you sort of become more like them. And that and I think that's a credit to them more because that's yeah that'd be why it you know why things have gone the way they have is because the guys I hang with mainly are just like that too. Talk about the guys you hang with, and obviously you know um, got to spend time with Remy Warren. Um, you know, blokes like Gen Z, the Southwell boys, what do you find is a common theme with them? They're all very, you know, and I know, you know, Gen Z probably flies under the radar a little bit as well, a bit like yourself, but what's the common theme with all them guys as far as, you know, being successful? You know, is there something that 
that you've picked up from them that you know you go uh, I think that's what it is they just yeah they just like some guys are very very natural at it like um like they'll read a situation and they'll they'll learn really quickly and then yeah. others sort of have to have a few failed attempts at something before they'll see it won't work or see yeah. what'll work like like Genzy's just a dead set natural like it he's a killer. Yeah, like he's a killer. everyone's yeah, everyone says he's. Everyone says, "Oh, bloody Genzy's lucky." But like, I've done a lot of hunting with him now, and it 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 doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, we could be whistling in a fox in the spotlight or something stupid, and he'll he'll crawl out there across a paddock in the bindies, like for two hundred meters to try and sh- have a crack at it with, <laughs> like you know. It, and this is just on the way back to camp. We're all tired, like wanting to go to bed, and still going. It, it doesn't, out. Yeah, it, it wouldn't matter if it was trying to shoot a rat or trying to, you know, hunt a big red stag or something. He'd he'd put in a hundred percent effort, whatever he does, and you know, he has a lot of success, and that's just, you know, and like absolute credit to the, like his his effort. Like, you know, it's like you see something that's not quite as good as what, you know, you say, oh, I'll just half stalk it. I'll just see if it doesn't move. I'll shoot yeah, another yeah. go. But gotcha. no, like. Everything, everything, you know, and that I see that through him, and you know, I just see, just got everyone that, everyone I see that's really successful is just really passionate about it. Like it, mm. you know, it's hunting's their world, and it's, you know, they're just so um, indulged in it that they, yeah, they really take notice to everything that happens. So, you know, you get into the bush and a new animal or something, or it's just, yeah, you sort of, it doesn't take a lot of those guys long to figure out how to get it done. Yeah, it seems to be. Uh... I guess just making decisions on the run and and probably sticking with it is probably the the one I've picked up from the people that I've you know been able to hunt with and those kind of things. It's actually staying to your plan because I know I've been very guilty of being three quarters away and then going, oh, this is not right, and uh, and changing it and actually stuffing up. Probably should have stuck with the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard though. <laughs> it's um, especially if you don't think you're going to get a lot of opportunities and, yeah. or the opportunity is about to disappear sort of thing. It's hard. I think patience is uh, patience is a big thing. Like um, I've, I used to rush everything a lot, but yeah. like even like, especially Ben Solaris, like I remember getting the, getting frustrated when he come up hunting goats the first time thinking, Oh, how slow is he, is he <laughs> like stalking them? Cause goats move pretty quick and they get yeah. away. But, but, you know, but then I'll come back and chase like deer and that with him. And yeah, he was just absolutely like, he's still the, like, he's still the best stalker I've ever seen. Like he, he'll sneak up on anything sort of thing. Whereas yeah. I, I, I watch him stalk and then I, I think about myself and, you know, instead of getting right down low, I'll just hunt, hunch over and get in and just things like that. You think, and you see them succeed and getting on things that you, you would have never thought you'd get in on and you're like, oh, well. You know that's because he's putting that extra effort in and being more patient than me. And yeah, like this, it it does rub off. You know, as long as you can sort of you can notice what they're doing different that's working that you're not. Um, yep. And it's just it's just yeah, picking that sort of thing up. I think if you're not out out there learning, you don't want to finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah ex- you know, exactly. We've got, uh, we've got someone to teach and something to learn. I reckon. Yeah, and that and now that's like I said, like the the only reason I've had any success is just the sheer amount of time I've I've put into it, really, and and I love it. Like it, you know, if I get anything, I don't get anything. I love being out there and trying, and it's just yeah, it's one of those just one of those things. I'm I'm absolutely addicted to it, and like yeah, from what is it like seventeen years or something like that, I've been doing it now, and I'm I'm probably more addicted and 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 worse now and do more of it now than when I started. And it's just progressively got worse, like pretty much the whole way through because yeah. 
my options every every year my I, I network with more people every year and my options open and they yeah. also just got like you said in every every hunt i do it's like oh we have to do this every year <laughs> <laughs> you know and oh. then like by the, t- by the time you've you've got you know good good access or hunts or um, contacts or public land for 20 or 30 things and it's just yeah. like oh no <laughs> it, where am i going to work <laughs> yeah that's exactly it is definitely the challenge i'm facing right now is purely time yep. you know yep. everything everything else is fine it's just literally the time to make all these things happen um you just you don't have enough time in the year and especially with these ruts and that kind of stuff you got two or three week window and you're like i can't get there for that like i've got this going on or that going on and you know, as you said, you know, you, you kind of have to sacrifice things, you know, if you're going to maybe chase something over the ditch or, you know, over another state or something like that, you've kind of got to, you know, you've got to hand things over and say, well, I can't do that for the next couple of years. Um, yeah, you know, I, that's, that's I, I haven't exactly. been the cape for years because, you know, I keep going to the States, you know, so it's just yeah. one of those sacrifices you've got to yep. make. Exactly. And that's kind of where I'm at now. Like I've, I've been smashing New Zealand, like I absolutely love it and, like I, I want to go over there every year and do a tar and a chamois, and you know I'll put in for the ballot every year for the for the wapiti, and I want to do whitetail every year. But I'm sort of at that stage now where I'm I'm really starting to look at America, um, yep. like North America, like yeah, there's so much to offer over there, and it's kind of you know I'm, you know, I don't want to get too old before I do a lot of those like packing hunts where you got to bring all the yeah. meat out. So I'm yep. sort of really looking at that. So the next few years I'm just sort of thinking, well. I'll, lay off of the new zealand and like you said like the, the cape and the nt and that maybe still sneak some of them in but mm. <laughs> like you know you really try and you know, put two or three weeks a year into the us and and cut back on some of that other stuff but you just have yeah you just can't do everything not <laughs> not not and go backwards financially anyway. <laughs> yeah, i'm just about to say that we can yeah. do we can do it technically yeah but <laughs> someone will uh, get get very angry but yeah i mean the good exactly. thing about the states is you know, it's kind of September, so you know you can get over there by the tenth of September and hunt for two two and a half weeks, and you you you're going to cover most species. I mean, mule deer might be a little bit earlier, but you know, high country mule deer is probably end of August, early September. Yep. And then elk, yep. you can generally put two and two, you know, put them back to back if you want to, um, yeah, depending exactly. on where you're hunting. Yep. So you know, that's yep. one good thing. And and September, you could probably argue is a little bit quieter for us back here. So um, apart yep. from if you want to head north, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can make it work, but yeah, once again, it is just time and and, and yeah. finances for sure. It, it, exactly. Like the last couple of years, I've, I've pretty much one one week to ten days a month, nearly. It's been away doing something, and yeah. it's yeah, it's it's not sustainable for me to be able to keep doing that. And <laughs> like my, my I've, I've done a bit of like I've, I've moved into my house here um, on my own property a couple couple of years ago on that and i mean i've done got kobe I'm a good mate of mine kobe i hunt with a fair bit do the decking and that and build some <laughs> sheds and i still haven't got a garden I've, oh, there's so much i should be doing here but i literally I, I work just as like as you know trying to catch me to do this podcast yeah. i literally work flat out while the weather's good yep, <laughs> and then yep. And it's like in, when the, I get a big rainy week coming, I think, oh, I might smash down and chase some sandbar then because I can't shoot ruse this week. So, yeah, it's it's going to be hard. Like getting old for me is going to be really sad, I think, because <laughs> if I don't have the energy to do it anymore. But, um, 
You yeah, I just love it. I, I've got to admit, it was the first time that I've ever had someone go, I'll, I'll check the weather for next week and see where we can do a podcast. So that was that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, what do you, what, what do you want to check? Yeah, I was like, what do you want to check the weather for? Ah, I've got you. Yeah, I was a bit slow though last week trying to pick that up, mate. Yeah, don't, don't <laughs> that's have, all good. Don't have three kids <laughs> under five, mate. You're lacking a lot of sleep, so. But yeah, I'll hopefully manage that a bit better. <laughs> I'll be yet to come. <laughs> yeah, do that. Well, man, I can't thank you and absolutely. You know, it's just been awesome having you on and, and sharing some of your stories. I mean, we could literally go on for hours. You know, we haven't even touched your your northern trips and that. So we're we're gonna have to do this again, and maybe we'll have to do it in the hunting camp there one day. In the new nah, future. That sounds and- good, mate. It's um. Yeah, like you said, it'd be it'd be good to um, get you down to Stewart Island and um, yeah, definitely good to, mate. I, uh, book that in and do a uh, have a chat over the over the cold, stinky cold pot belly. Oh, jeez, it could <laughs> be a, ho- hopefully some white tail on the on the cook. Could be a pretty wild <laughs> podcast, I reckon. So. <laughs> Especially if Benny Zalaris is still in the room. Oh man, <laughs> oh the stories, I love them. But yeah. uh, no, nah, man, thank you very much. I, I know it uh, it took a little bit of organising, but I really appreciate. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure you're just pulled over at the side of the road, aren't you, at the moment? <laughs> I'm actually on top of the on top of the hill up above my crop paddock where I got those roots out. <laughs> Good on you, man. Well, uh, once again, mate, thank you very much, and um, we'll get this one out in a couple of weeks, mate. But uh, thanks again for your time. Too easy, mate. Thanks for the chat, eh? Good on you, mate. Cheers. Guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Hunting Camp Down Under. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Hoyt Bowhunting. Year after year, Hoyt continue to be an industry leader. Hoyt have just released their new model bow for this year with a new alloy riser, Hoyt Nitrix. Featuring many of the premium technologies found on the Hoyt's higher-end models at a much friendlier price tag. Our friends at Abbey Archery have already received their first shipment and are ready for delivery. That's all for me this week. Good luck in the hills and I look forward to you joining me on the next episode of the Hunting Camp Down Under. Bye for now.